good to see you all this morning, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. I wanted to start by just asking you a question. Anytime recent, have you thought you lost something only to discover that it was right there all along? Yeah, this happened to me on Tuesday. I was having coffee with a friend and I don't have a watch. I don't wear a watch. I mean, I have a watch, but I don't wear one. My husband asked me the other day, where is your Apple watch that I got you a couple years ago? I was like, I don't know. So I needed to check the time because I wanted to make sure that I was home in time for my kids. And all of a sudden I'm looking for something. Can't find my phone. I'm looking in my bag. I'm looking in my purse. I'm looking in my back pocket. And she was very perceptive. She said, are you looking for your phone? I said, yeah, I need to check the time. She's like, it's right there by your leg. I'm looking for it. It's right there the whole time. During COVID, when we were stuck at home, I lost a lot of things. And I'm not just talking about my sanity. I did lose that, trying to work from home and homeschool kids at the same time. I've known my whole adult life that homeschooling my own children would be a really bad idea. I never thought I would live through that reality. But then I found myself there. Lost some important things during that time. Uh, one of which is our daughter Abby was four at the time. I lost her twice in our home. I don't have time to share those stories with you today, but I will probably tell you at some point how you lose your own child in your house two times. I also lost the vacuum. That's what I wanna tell you about today. Do any of you have a robot vacuum? Best purchase I have ever made in my life. I push a button and it cleans my house. And then I push it seven times in a row and it celebrates me. It says, good job, you're on a seven day cleaning streak, keep it up. <laughs> Thank you for changing the dustbin. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. Well, during COVID, I lost the robot vacuum. I pushed the button, it went to do its thing, and it never went back to the docking station. We searched our house high and low for this robot vacuum. Could not find it anywhere. And I mean, I even went upstairs and looked upstairs. I thought maybe it got really smart and figured out how to clean the second story. I, I, this is how desperate we were. I'm like, how do you lose a vacuum in your own house? I don't know. So then I start Googling, lost the robot vacuum. And evidently, I'm not the only one that manages to lose this because there was a whole string of stories of people who had lost theirs. And one of the best ones was they realized that maybe one of their kids had left a door open and the robot vacuum would just take off out the front door and go clean the neighborhood. <laughs> so I kid you not, I was convinced that one of the little people in my house lost the vacuum because they left the door open and it ran away. So weeks went by, we never found it. I purchased a new one. The new one is better. It just is. A long time later, I don't know how long it was, I'm finally doing some deep cleaning in my house. And I don't have a robot to do the deep cleaning yet. They haven't invented one that I can afford. So I'm moving the couch, and do you know what I found? The robot vacuum. I'm looking everywhere for this thing. I'm thinking it has completely disappeared. And it was right there, all along, every time I was binge watching Netflix during COVID. <laughs> There's the robot vacuum. Here's the thing. We're gonna be talking in this new series about finding God in diverse and surprising places. 
Because sometimes the thing that we're searching for, the thing that we're looking for, the thing that we really think that we cannot find is just right there with us all along. And in my life, God has been a bit like the robot vacuum in my story. Sometimes I find myself searching, seeking, wanting more of God. Here's the thing. The presence of God is all around us, all of the time. And I find myself looking for it sometimes and searching for it and still feeling sometimes like I can't quite see or feel or experience or encounter the presence of God. But it's still there, even when I can't feel it, even when I can't see it. And so in this series, I want us to consider a question together. And it's a question that I want us to return to. Where do we sense an invitation to discover the presence of God in our lives? Can you hear me on that side of the room when I face this way? Yeah, okay. And you can hear me when I face that way? All right, we're gonna make this work. I just won't be able to talk for the rest of the day, but that's fine. So where in our lives do we sense an invitation to discover the presence of God? Now, this is gonna be as unique for you as it is for me and the people seated around you. It will not look the same. It's not a one size fits all experience of God. In fact, if you read a hundred different biographies from a hundred different faith heroes, do you know what you're gonna discover? That all of them encountered the presence of God in different ways in different places and in different spaces. And when they try to give words to describe what that is like, when they try to describe the ineffable, which is, a woo, there we go. Thank those guys in the back. We so appreciate you. It's awesome. When we try to give words, I don't want the microphone to roll off the table. Just stay put. To the creator of the universe, who really cannot adequately ever be described or completely understood, the way that I describe that is gonna be different than the way that you would describe it. And the way that faith hero number one describes what that looks like in their story is gonna be different and unique than the way that faith hero number five, 25 and 95 describes it. And so the goal of the series is not that anyone would try to convince you to discover God in the way that we have discovered or to describe the experience in the same way we would describe the experience but that as a community of followers of Jesus, we would come together and learn from one another's stories and experiences and maybe inspire and encourage one another to discover where maybe there is an invitation in our own stories to discover the presence of God in a unique and surprising way. And so that's where we're gonna start today. And so, I have four things that I wanna talk with you about today. Fog, birds, a tree, and a ladybug. I'm gonna tell you how they have all helped me find God in a very unique 
and surprising way, how they've helped me to notice the presence of God in my life, or they've helped me to learn something new about God, or they've helped me to see a truth about God that felt hidden or dark in my life. You see, because the thing is, we were all created to enjoy a relationship with our Creator. That's why we're here. If you've ever wondered, What's your purpose? Why are you here? It's because the creator of the universe desires to be in relationship with you, to know you and to be known by you. And again, the ways that that unfolds are as numerous as the humans on planet Earth right now. But you, you as you are today, God desires to be in relationship with you. So we're gonna to discover together what that might look like and how that might unfold over the course of time. We're gonna to start together in the scriptures. The Old Testament, we'll look at a scripture that helps us see how God is revealing himself through nature. We're gonna look at a New Testament scripture and then we're gonna look at the life and ministry of Jesus and how he points to some of these things. And then I'm gonna tell you about the fog, the birds, the tree, and the ladybug and how they've helped me to find God in unexpected ways. So we're gonna to start together in Isaiah chapter six, verse three. Isaiah is in the Old Testament, he is a prophet, he's writing during a really bad time. This is a very bleak, very dark time in Jewish history. And he is a prophet who is seeing a vision of hope and a vision of what's possible. And there's this picture in his mind of the heavenly places. The angels are singing and here's what's happening. Here's what he's seeing. He says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, I want us to talk about what that means because that word glory is not a word that you probably have used in the last year, just in normal everyday conversation. We sing about it here at church. We have an incredible nursery staff person named Glory. Many of you have met her when you've dropped her, your kiddos off. She's amazing and fantastic. But outside of singing the word, reading the word in the scripture, or talking to our friend Glory, we may not actually use that word, which means we may not have a sense of what the word means. And it's an important word as we consider what it looks like to find God in nature. So when I wanna know more about a word, oftentimes I'll look to my friend Dallas Willard, who's a phenomenal theologian, who was a um, highly intelligent philosopher who helps us to understand the meaning of words. And here's what he says about glory. Glory is the magnificent outpouring of the radiant splendor of God's power, strength, beauty, and kindness. So think of creation, think of the world as a container for the glory of God. And God is pouring out his glory, pouring out strength and power and beauty and kindness. And everywhere we look, wherever we are in the world, we can see the glory of God being poured out over and over and over again. And then in Romans chapter one, verse 20, the apostle Paul is writing about a very similar thing. Paul says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. 
So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Paul is saying nature reveals the invisible qualities of God, the nature of God. Now, an important distinction that we want to make here is that we're not saying that nature is God. We're saying that nature reveals God, helps us to understand the presence and the action of God in the world. You see, in the original language, divine nature literally means the attributes of God, the qualities of God, the characteristics of God. So when you are enjoying nature, as we begin to pay attention, we begin to notice it reflect back to us or reveal to us the attributes of God. Now, we're going to compare this to Colossians 2.9, where Paul writes, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So if we're looking for God, we look to Jesus. We look to the life and ministry of Jesus, the fullness of God in the person and the body of Jesus and in the spirit of the risen Christ. Similar words there in the original language. Fullness of God literally means the state of being God. And then we look to the life and ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. And we see Jesus point to nature and point to creation over and over and over again to help us begin to notice the presence of God around us, notice the action of God around us, to help us understand qualities and attributes of God and how God works, which would be his kingdom. And so, you know, as you read through the scriptures, you'll remember or you'll notice Jesus say things like, look at the birds and consider the lilies. And he talks about the things of the earth. He talks about wheat and shepherds and sheep and vines and branches and soil. He's using the stuff of creation to point to, to help us understand and relate to what we cannot see. We see it all through the gospels. And so nature reveals the glory of God and then reminds us to pay attention. That's what I want us to consider together today, that nature, whatever that looks like, wherever you live, whether you're here or you're online, it is revealing the glory of God, the power, the strength, the beauty, the kindness, the goodness of God, and then it's reminding us to pay attention. Now, what do you know about someone in your life that wants you to pay attention? What are they doing? They're yelling, they're performing, they're waving their hands, they're trying to get your attention. I have a little one in my house right now and I'm so grateful for them because they are witty and funny and entertaining and they're learning as a little one how to get our attention through humor and performance and yelling and even sometimes sarcasm and inappropriate humor. It is a blast in my house right now. Think of nature as constantly trying to get our attention to notice the way that it's revealing the attributes of God. Think of the moments of awe. Think of the moments of wonder. Think of a storm. Those are ways that nature is revealing the glory of God, reminding us to pay attention. It's always available. It's always free. No matter where you are in the world, you have access to nature revealing the glory of God to us. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna share with you four ways nature has gotten my attention 
in the last couple of years. This is something new that I'm discovering. It's not something that has been innate to my personality or my story with God. I'm learning what this might look like for me. And so I'm gonna share four ways that nature has grabbed my attention recently and reminded me of the glory of God and the world around me. Not with the intention of convincing you that this is the way God is trying to get your attention, but maybe to begin a conversation, to spark an idea, to invite you to consider the ways that nature might be trying to get your attention as it works to reveal the nature of God in your life and in your story. So we're gonna start with fog. Now I've shared with you before that my favorite place within driving distance is Torrey Pines. I love to hike there. It's been fun because several of you have come back and told me that you've gone and you've experienced the wonder of Torrey Pines and I love hearing those stories. Now, many of you who are in the room or you're watching, the beach is not your place. You don't wanna do the sand, you don't wanna do the stuff, you don't wanna do the sunscreen, you don't wanna do any of it. That's okay, we can still be friends. One of my best friends in the whole world does not do the beach. She and I are still good. Others of you will only do the beach if it's warm and sunny. Then you're willing to put up with all of the stuff that goes along with the beach. I am willing to do the beach any time of the year. It is still beautiful and awe-inspiring when it's stormy, when it's cloudy, when it's cold. And so not too long ago, I decided I was gonna go for a hike and it was in the middle of winter. I knew it was gonna be cold and as long as I'm dressed appropriately, I'm good to go. Now I have hiked the same hike at Torrey Pines more times than I can count. I know it backwards and forwards. And as I'm walking up the hill from the parking lot, there's this big, huge hill that you have to walk up. It's like I have to earn the view. That's kind of how I think about it. I'm praying and I'm thinking through where I found myself in that moment in my own story, which is at a place where I was faced with decisions and I didn't know which decision to make. I didn't know what choice to make. I was a little bit anxious and uncertain about how a specific story was unfolding and it just felt like I could not see how things were unfolding. And when I can't see and when I can't plan, I don't always operate at my best. And so I'm wrestling through the uncertainty. And in that moment, God also was not feeling present and close and real in my life. There was some hiddenness and some distance. And I don't know about you, but when I'm uncertain and when I'm struggling and when I'm feeling anxious, and then God is also distant and also kind of hidden, that's tough. And I, I've been there multiple times in my story with God. So I get to the top of the hill and it had been cold and gloomy and I hit the first trail and I know exactly where in the trail I turn the corner and all of a sudden it just opens up this huge panoramic expanse of gorgeous Southern California coastline. And as I hit the corner of the trail, I look up and all I can see is fog. This has never happened to me before, hiking Torrey Pines. I can only see about 10 feet in front of me. I can't see the water, can't see the ocean. And as I continued to walk the trail, I began to realize I can't see that the water is there, but I can trust the water is there. And it became this metaphor for where I was at in my story with God. 
that oftentimes I can't see, but I can choose to trust. I can't see God, but I trust that God is there. I can't see the work of God unfolding in my life. I can trust that it's happening behind the scenes. And so in that moment, the fog and the water became this reminder to me that I can trust even when I cannot see how the story ends, how things are unfolding, what's happening, why it's happening. I can choose to trust. And then the birds. Now, I need to confess to you, I am not a stop and smell the flowers, pay attention to the birds kind of person. I am a produce, get stuff done, make it happen, get going kind of girl. In the last couple of years, though, I've noticed this invitation to slow down a little bit, which has been tough for me, and to pay a little bit more attention to the world around me. And so previous to the last couple of years, I couldn't have told you what kind of birds there were in my neighborhood. And then all of a sudden, I began to notice there are gorgeous blue ones and beautiful yellow ones. And the hummingbirds are my favorite. And then there was this day, another day, of feeling kind of heavy, carrying a burden and feeling the weight of it. And I'm on a walk and I'm noticing the birds in a, in a new way, in a different way, in a surprising way. And just appreciating that they're there. I guess they've always been there. I just had never noticed them before. And then all of a sudden, scripture comes to mind where Jesus is talking to us about our worries, about our burdens, about the things that weigh on us and feel heavy. And all of a sudden, I remembered that Jesus says, God cares for us. He cares for us because he, we can see that he cares for the birds who live carefree in the care of God, is the way that Eugene Peterson translates it. So it was in that moment of I don't always feel cared for, and sometimes I, I, like I struggle to, to sense that and to trust that, but the birds became this reminder that I can trust in the loving care of God. I can rest in the loving care of God. So another moment when nature is revealing the glory of God and reminding me to pay attention. And then there's a tree. Now, when I walk around my neighborhood, I walk the same trail just about every time, and I walk it the same way every time. I'm a creature of habit. And I did the math. I've probably walked by this tree over 4,000 times in the last six and a half years. It's really only been in the last year that I have paid attention to this tree. This is not a typical Southern California tree that looks the same all year long. I began to notice this last year that it went from really green and full in the summer to looking kind of sad and droopy in the fall. And then by the time winter rolled around, it was a completely different tree. If I didn't know it was the same tree in the exact same spot, I would have thought somebody had messed with me because it was dead. There were no leaves. It was brown. It, it was, was kind of ugly, quite frankly. And then I continue to walk by the tree every day. Not every day, most days four times, because I do the same four laps around the same circle every time. And all of a sudden, this spring day, I noticed blossoms just beginning to burst forth through the branch. And all of a sudden, I'm reminded 
that we can begin to see the possibility of new life where we haven't noticed it before. That we can begin to watch for the first signs of new life. And I don't know about you, but there are places and spaces in my own story and in my own relationships where things are not so pretty anymore and where it feels like things have shriveled up or it feels like things have died. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a a thing. Sometimes it, it just, this is part of life and the cycles of life and the cycles of nature. But we are a resurrection people who worship a resurrected Christ. The same power that raised Christ up out of the dead is the same power that is at work within us. And so then the tree becomes this reminder to begin to watch for where there's new life blossoming. Not just in my story, but in the stories of those that I get to walk with. Because sometimes when we are shriveled up and things are bleak and they're difficult, we have a hard time seeing the possibility of new life in our own story. That's where we need one another to come and hold hope for us. And sometimes to even lovingly remind us, I know this feels dead now and I know it feels hopeless now and I don't know what the new life is gonna look like. I don't know when it's gonna arrive, but I'm watching for it with you and I'm praying for it with you and I'm trusting God with you for it because we are a people that can trust and watch and expect that new life is on the way. Usually doesn't look the way we want it to. Almost never happens when we want it to. I usually think God is late, quite frankly. But we can trust that it's on the way. And then the last thing is the ladybug. Nature reminds us to enjoy the small things. My son Landon has been my teacher in this area. Again, the girl who has been learning how to slow down and see not just nature, but people and relationships and moments around me. And I can remember Landon from the time he was little has always had a very natural appreciation for the value of God's creatures. So we would go on walks early in the morning and this is my kid who would notice every worm and roly poly on the sidewalk and he would have to move it out of the way because he didn't want them to get squashed. It was really cute the first couple of times and then I decided we were gonna go for walks later in the day somebody else was gonna save the little creatures. It's kind of embarrassing to admit to you right now. So I'm learning from Landon to pay attention and to enjoy even the little things. And so a couple of weeks ago, we're at the park as a family, all five of us are there. Ryan and Abby and Claire had run ahead, they were climbing this big tree, and Landon and I are catching up, we're walking next to each other, and I see a ladybug in his hair. I said, Landon, stop right there. What? What is it, mom? You have a ladybug in your hair. And his eyes get big. He's like, do? I'm like, yeah. So I gently get the ladybug out of his hair onto my hand. And for about 10 seconds, we just look at the ladybug in my hand. And then we watch it fly off. That's it. It was just a moment of joy, a moment of awe, a moment of seeing a gift in creation and going, that is beautiful and it is created by God. And it was just a sweet, beautiful moment to enjoy. And I have missed it thousands of times. Part of the grace was that 
there was a moment this last week where I didn't miss it, and I got to enjoy it. And Landon gave me permission to share the story with you because I've learned that I share stories with you and then you go tell my kids about the stories. And if they're surprised, they get mad at me and I get in trouble. So now I have to ask permission before I tell you anything that happens in my life. It's pretty great. Nature reveals the glory of God and then reminds us to pay attention. And so what's the impact when we pay attention? Why? Why pay attention? Why is nature shouting for our attention, revealing the glory of God around us? I was thinking about that this week. I don't think it's because God needs our attention. I think it's for our well-being, for our goodness, for our benefit, and because God enjoys us. When nature gets our attention and we shift our focus to God, when we shift our focus to Jesus, we benefit. It increases our peace and our joy and our sense of awe and our sense of wonder. There's a physical and a mental and an emotional impact for good in our lives. God knows this because he desires good for us. And then I think it's simply because God enjoys being in relationship with us. He enjoys you. He enjoys you enjoying the things that God has created. Have you ever considered that before? That when you enjoy the gifts that God has given to you, he enjoys you enjoying them. That's pretty amazing. And so I have two invitations for us to consider this week as we consider the ways that maybe we're being invited to find God in surprising ways in the world around us. The first is you're invited to participate in um, kind of an experiment with me this week. I have seven text prompts set up. And so starting today, if you text the word nature to the number that you see on the screen, and they'll leave it up there for a second if you wanna grab that. Starting today and going through Saturday, every day you're gonna get a text message at about nine o'clock in the morning with just a short, simple idea for a way you can find God in nature. You don't have to go anywhere special. You don't have to buy anything. This can be done in about five minutes, wherever you are, wherever you are in the world. And my prayer is that if this is something that you are open to and something that you are thinking you might wanna try, I, I'm trusting that God is gonna be uniquely present to you in surprising ways. And then the second option for us today is we're gonna close and sing a song together or just listen to a song together. Really is a moment for us to pray and reflect and consider the ways that God may be inviting us to find God in places that are unexpected and surprising. And so Evan, when we sing songs, really well-written songs. They, they sometimes give words to things that we haven't had words for. They can stir up feelings that maybe were dormant and we didn't know we had. Um, they really give voice to our story and our experience. For sure. I, I know that like, there's, there's two different kind of experiences that, you'll, that people go through. There's some people that just like the musicality of the song. Mm -hmm. uh, it moves them in a certain way 
Um, you know, you hear different chordings that make you feel a certain way, whatever it is. You don't even know it's happening, but it's something that you feel. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's a lot of people like, like I am. I, I'm obsessed with like the words of a song. Mm -hmm. I love hearing how people piece things together. And like you said, give words to, to things that maybe we can't give words to. Mm -hmm. And then also they, they make it super poetic and everything. It's just yeah. out of this world. But, uh, but this song is one of those that kind of has both. When you, if you were just listening to an instrumental of this song with no mm -hmm. words in it, it, there's this uplifting kind of like refreshing sound to it. It feels like new life. And that's all the words talk about is God, it's called springtime. And that's what it's like. Your love is like springtime. And it's specific towards that uh, where we turn back to, you know, the, the uh, turn towards the light or whatever, you know, the flowers, things like that. Grass will move in the direction of the sun. Yeah. Um, they'll point towards it. And that's this whole thing is, is turning back to the light of who Christ is and experiencing that new life that, uh, that springtime brings, yeah. these new buddings and, and all this it's stuff. It's filled with metaphor. Yeah, absolutely. The metaphor of God and nature revealing God's attributes and characteristics to us. And so we're going to invite you to just stay seated where you are. Allow this to be a reflective time of prayer, either as you listen or you sing along. And maybe just notice, is there a metaphor or a phrase in there that grabs your attention? Um, notice maybe if it's stirring up some emotion in you. Maybe notice if you sense an invitation from God in the midst of a song. But allow this to... I don't know, maybe be a surprising place, a surprising moment where you find God in a way that you weren't expecting. Absolutely. You're the resurrection that we've been waiting for. You buried the night, you came with the morning. You're the king of heaven, the praise is yours. The longer the quiet, the louder the chorus.
time with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, big thing happening right now after the service is? Baptisms right now, and it's a beautiful day. And hey, if you don't come out for yourself, come out for me and my family. I'm baptizing my two daughters. So a good friend of mine's baptizing, baptizing his three kids. So it's going to be a fun time out there right after service. Yeah, and if you have a desire to get baptized, we have all the stuff that you need. So if you are new to your relationship with Christ and you've not been baptized and you want to celebrate newness of life and the unconditional love and grace of God, baptism is a way that we celebrate that together. It's a symbol of that new life. And so that's happening. If you need prayer, we have a team that'll be right over here. I'd love to pray for you. If you have yet to meet Pastor Caressa, she's going to be right over here. And then uh, we do have the blood drive outside. Mm -hmm. If you want to take advantage of that and help our community, always love that support. Absolutely. All right, please go and enjoy a beautiful Southern California day. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.